Welcome to the Rejected Religion Podcast. I'm Stephanie Shea. As we find ourselves in December, the last month of 2020, and also the month when people usually gather together with family and friends to celebrate Yule, Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, and New Year's Eve, I thought when planning this month's episode that it might be nice to focus on the winter solstice. However, this has also been a very challenging year due to a worldwide pandemic, and many of us will not be gathering together with loved ones for the holidays because of it. So this month, I decided to do something different and take another approach, that of inner personal experiences, instead of outsider observations, as is often the case with academic researchers. For this purpose, and in keeping with my original idea of family, friends, and holidays, I asked my Aunt Patricia Shea, or Aunt Pat as I call her, if she would be willing to come on the podcast and talk about Celtic spirituality from an insider perspective. My Aunt Patricia is Professor Emeritus of Education, with a long career as a principal, director, and counselor in various educational programs. She also holds an MA in Religious Studies. Currently, she is a life coach, facilitator, and spiritual director. Patricia was also a Catholic nun in the Order of the School Sisters of Notre Dame for many, many years. At this stage in her life, however, she considers herself a Celtic crone, and her work includes, as she states it, providing opportunities to understand and experience the multiple facets of Celtic spirituality and how the Celtic understanding of the sacred can be lived in our everyday modern lives. What Patricia will be sharing in this interview is an integration of what she has learned from others within the area of Celtic spirituality, combined with her own personal perspectives based upon her life experiences. We discuss what she feels is the difference between religion and spirituality, leading to Pat discussing the Celtic wheel and how this is attuned to the earth. We also discuss her ideas about mysticism, and Pat shares her perspectives about Mother Earth as a sentient, wise entity who offers us opportunities for learning and insight. This leads us to discuss what has been happening in the world due to the pandemic. As I stated before, this is not an academic discussion, although Pat is an academic, but it's more of a space for her to share her own insights about her spiritual path that I feel are worth sharing with others too. So I hope you will find it interesting. Welcome to the podcast, Pat. Thank you you so much for agreeing to talk with me today. I'm really looking forward to this discussion. Uh, As this month's episode is focusing on personal experiences, I thought we might start with a bit of your own story. Uh, I mentioned in the introduction that you had been a Catholic nun for a large portion of your life, but at a certain point you decided to follow another path, that of Celtic spirituality. And you've been practicing this for around 20 years now. Mm -hmm. Now, Could you talk more about the reasons you felt you were not on the right path in your service as a nun 
and how you came to know about Celtic spirituality? That's a great question. If I could reframe that question, if you wouldn't mind. No, not at all. Um, I wouldn't say that I was on the wrong path and needed a new path as much as I would say I was following a path that at the time made sense so that when I came to, as many paths do, divergent paths, that I had to make a choice. Do I keep on this one that I'm familiar with or do I explore? Okay. And what what calls me to explore a different path? So that first path helped me get to that exploration of the divergent path, if if that would make sense. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so that's that's how that happened. And um it was really uh, I've been living Celtic spirituality since I was born, probably even in my mom's womb somehow. I mean she would forever say how uh she was pure Irish. Well, she was pretty right on that spot because I did an Ancestry.com and found out, yeah, that, but yeah, that's what I am too, you know? Not so much pure Irish as more Irish, but Celtic, so yeah. Scots and uh, Wales. And, um, you know, but that Celtic uh, DNA, that Celtic ancestry is very deep in me. And um, when I entered the, the community, the School Sisters of Notre Dame, that that was a, a genuinely saving grace for me, for my spiritual life. Mm. It, it truly was. Uh, I went to the uh, convent school in high school for four years before I actually entered the community officially. And um, that was a real nurturing because we had every morning um, – got up early, did a prayer, did a meditation, did the the Catholic rituals of prayers. And um, that was very nurturing of my soul, of the journey, of the spiritual journey. And then all of the other uh, experiences that I had in the community, I'll, I'll never, ever be able to live long enough nor have enough lives to thank the School Sisters of Notre Dame for the, mm. the gifts that they graced me with throughout my life. Um, because the the curious piece is um, the little that I know of the real Celts. I know a little bit more about Celtic spirituality than Celts themselves, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, they love learning. They're always learning. They're always learning how to adapt. You know, they, that, that's why they that's why they're still alive and well today. You know, that's why that 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 that, that spirit is still there. And in the school sisters of Notre Dame. Uh, one of the reasons I stayed so very, very long was I so believed in the mission of the community, which was to educate women mm-hmm. and children and the disenfranchised, those who were of poverty, but of all kinds of poverty, really. And I still believe in that mission. And um, I never really jumped 100% in the middle of the community. You know, I, I lived more on the fringe of the community. Uh, one of my classmates, when I was sharing that with her, was I was in the community, and and I said, you know, I really feel like I live more in the fringe. I mean, I, I followed the rules, but some of them I thought, yeah, you know, maybe ishish, you know, <laughs> you don't have to go that far with it, you know. <laughs> and um, and so um, I 
I sort of thought, well, there comes a time, and, and actually the, my classmate said to me, well, Pat, if you weren't on the fringe, those of us in the middle wouldn't even know it. So, the, you know, so I thought, okay, you know, I, you know I, I, I believed in the community. I believed in the women who had the power to really affect change mm. that was critically important through education. And I, I hoped that I would be part of that mission. And um, what really started to, well, I think I was always on the exploration part of always wondering why, or is this really how it's supposed to be? You know, like even living on the fringe, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, is this the whole story or, you know, isn't there more to it? That kind of thing. And so, but I, I was really um, supported in those questions throughout my life and throughout my education and um, because in in the community we were always being educated you never stop learning it was always learning which I love to this day I love learning it's a joy to do that Um, even in all of the the angst and the uh, drama and and, uh, contortions that I go through learning I still (laughs) love doing it well, but it was when I was at my 25th anniversary of, of vowels. I had made final vowels 25 for 25 years, and the community had a program where you would go to uh, Rome, where our uh, general aid is, and spend a whole summer there to go even deeper into uh, the community and visit the the sites where all of the the foundresses were and all of that, and. Um, Probably five or six years previous to that anniversary time, I had a real opening experience about what I really saw was the the misuse of hierarchy in the Catholic Church. Mm. When there were about 200 of us nuns waiting for one man to show up to celebrate the Eucharist, to celebrate Mass. And I thought, I'm sitting here with women who are so good and so brilliant and so holy, who could lead ritual in a much greater, deeper, fuller way. And we're sitting here waiting and the fellow was late. You know, it's mm. it, it was a shift in my understanding. Yeah. So living that shift and then getting to that 25 years, I thought I have either, I have to either jump in fully or jump out fully. Fringing isn't appropriate at 25 to go over to Rome and to invest time, energy, effort, and money into my journey in that on that particular path. And that's where I started to see the diversion. Okay. And thought, no, I I, I can't I can't keep doing that. And then when I went through the whole process of of asking for the um indult of whatever the end was, I can't remember, was the permission to leave and to be mm-hmm. released of final vows. Um, there's a word for it, which escapes me at this moment. But um, the general superior at the time wrote a letter to me, and she said, um, you'll be leaving the house, but you won't be leaving the family. Mm. Which was such a, a, a wholesomely... Um, 
wholly in the sense of WH and H <laughs> response to supporting my journey down the, the, the paths that were convert, you know, that were divergent at that, that yes, point. Yes. And so I have always felt like I've always been a school sister of Notre Dame. I've never felt that I'm not that. Okay. It's just, I just don't do it. I'm not only on the fringe, I'm on the outside, but I'm, <laughs> I'm still a cousin, you know, or, right. you know, <laughs> I'm that black sheep that they think, well, maybe she'll catch on, you know, that kind of thing. They're, you know, I, I really do. They're, they're wonderful. They're just, they're, the women in the community are so wholesomely and genuinely dedicated to goodness mm. and yeah. to uh, helping people come to learn to explore the reality and the goodness of creation of divinity it, it and that has that that has never left me and um, one of the things that I was doing as I left by spiritual guide who is also a school sister of Notre Dame you know I said well now what should I do you know what what new program should I go to or what new degree should I get or da, 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 you know, all that. And, and she suggested that I explore spiritual direction. And because I had a, a master's in, in religious studies and I have a master's, you know, I have all. Anyway, you had to keep learning, you know, that you just kept going to school. Anyway, so and I so my, my question was when I was in my late forties. Okay, now what degree am I supposed to be now? You know, leaving, I got, I got to get another degree. You know, but it's like no. She said you don't have to do degrees anymore. You got enough. You know, you. She says, but what do you want to explore? So she suggested that. So I started that program. It was the Hayden Institute, which was very inclusive and. Um, general it, it, it was it wasn't of one particular religious thought or program mm -hmm. it, it was a very open program and that's why she said you'd probably like that and I did I loved it but the first thing we had to do was write a spiritual autobiography right that took the longest writing I have ever done in my life and uh and when um, I was doing it, I came across this book. This was in 2000 of Mara Freeman's uh, Kindling the Celtic Spirit. And I had already started to read that. And I was writing my spiritual autobiography. And I thought, oh, my God, I've been doing this stuff a long time. You know, my first experience, the question is, you start with the first experience that you had with divinity or the spirit or whatever. And my first experience, that I, I remember it as clear as if it happened just now, of going down the hill of our house, sitting within the tree roots of this huge tree that was at the bottom of our hill, and sitting there and lying in those roots. I was probably four years old, three or four, and I would sing songs to God, and I knew that tree was embracing me. I knew it. That tree loved me. I love that tree. And I could sing. I don't think I always sang songs to God. I think I just sang, you know, <laughs> made things up. Because I made up songs, you know, that's what I did. I would go, but that was my first genuine 
spiritual experience. And then I went on throughout, and in grade school I had them. Even in the Catholic Church, going to church every day in, in uh, a Catholic grade school, I remember having, um, I would, I, I guess some people would call them uh, flights of imagination, and I guess that's what they were, but I thought they were spiritual, they are spiritual experiences. If, uh, as all that ritual is going on, I, I would think, what, what would I do to honor the spirits, you know? I would have lots of flowers, and I would, I would do these flights of imagination while we were in the, supposedly, you know, kneeling and saying the prayers and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But I like that quiet time to do those, that kind of thing. Yeah. So. so you've touched upon the, that, the actual fact then for yourself that you've been practicing Celtic spirituality much longer than you knew what that was or you had heard that, you know, as a as a title of something can you talk about the was there one person in particular that uh that presented this to you or was it mm-hmm. more of a just a organic type of picking up on all of this as you went along it it was really Mara Freeman who okay. her, so her that book, book that you yeah, mentioned okay. that book that I mentioned okay and then I did one course with her she has three courses in um, Celtic spirituality I mean just it, it's more than that it's but um, but as I read and I would reflect and I would do the um, the meditations that she she does and which are really wonderful and exploratory and soul searching and yeah, um, yeah. Um, so going through all of that I, I I was really really led to understand more deeply what was in my disposition already right. okay and and be able to give it some sort of a, a name or a form of some sort. Okay, yeah, I understand. Okay, so before we go any further into your own personal uh, experiences, uh, perhaps it's a good idea to talk first about what Celtic spirituality is. Uh, and if you do like a, a quick Google search, a lot of different things come up. So mm-hmm. some things say it's more of a form of spirituality that is more Christian in nature. Others say it's more pagan in nature. Could you talk more about this and you know how, how you see it and what, what Celtic spirituality is, in your opinion? Yes. Um, and this is, this is Pat Shea version. Okay. <laughs> okay. This isn't anybody else's. This is how I put it all together, but... Wonderful. I, I I see first of all um, of starting with spirituality and religion because that they'll take care of that Christian. Yeah. And I'll I'll talk a little bit if I could about my uh, perspective on paganism, but but it'll help a little bit. But sure. but typically, religion is a particular system of faith and worship. It has codes. There are certain beliefs you have to follow. There are certain rituals you have to follow. 
Uh, there's a certain way that you bond between the human and the divine. You know, it's real. It's in my perspective, religion is scripted. And, and depending on the religion, it can be rigidly prescriptive or it can be fluidly prescriptive, but it's still prescriptive of some way. Mm-hmm. Because if you go out of those bounds, then you're a heretic within that religious belief system. Right, I understood. Where spirituality can be related to religion, and yet it really isn't related to religion. Spirituality, in, in my sense of understanding it, is really the ultimate experience of that inner path and that inner calling that you start discovering things that are bigger than what meets the eye. It, it's, a, uh, it's, it's like breath. It's there. We, we know it. But when we try to say, do you see it? Well, no, you don't really, you don't see our breath unless it's cold and you mm-hmm. get the fog of it. But um, spirituality is, is as vital to our being as breath is because it's a way of living a, a life beyond what is visible. And even when we say, well, that's sort of fluffy out there, Re- religion asks us to live in a life that's invisible. Yes. Um, spirituality, though, has no structures. If we're going to be true to ourselves, I believe that each one of us has our own particular and peculiar spirituality that we find connection with a certain way of using words to express it. So my Celtic spirituality were words and experiences of my lived life that said, ah, yeah, that's the right word. That's the word I was looking for. So different spiritualities have different vocabularies. Okay. And, and they're translatable into different languages, mm-hmm. into different spiritualities. So a lot of the things that I, I look at in the, the Celtic spiritual path is um, very much what I see in Buddhism, in Taoism. Uh, uh, it's very much what I see in, in the Christianity of um believing in the goodness of earth and, you know, in, in the Christian terms and in the, um, the, the Jewish Testament of what the Christians would call the old Testament is, you know, God created the, the world, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's a sense of creation spirituality in that, which is also part of Celtic spirituality, that Christian, you know, that sense of, it's translatable, but as often as you read with translations, they'll always be in parentheses. There really is no real word in the <laughs> English language to say what this word means in the German language or in the exactly. Latin, you know, or whatever, that kind of thing. So yeah. um, so it isn't quite the same. So the, um, the Celts were, the, the Celts themselves were pretty much, their their way of ritual and spirituality and and and, and the, the there is a 
a controversy of whether or not it's a religion or a spirituality, depending mm-hmm. on who you read, yeah. um, you know, and how you want to interpret it. But that was pretty much wiped out be- beginning with Romanization of the, the known empire, you know, the world at the time. But then when Christianity came along, it, it was pretty well wiped out. The, the curious piece about the Celts, I, I found, is that they're very adaptable and they were very learned. They learned all the time. You know, they were always learning. So they're, eh. you know, so they call it that, they call it that, you know. So um, three in one, you know, well, th- this whole thing of integration and oneness and, and, and both and going on. Well, okay, we'll go with that. So you say there's three a trinity well okay we'll do that you know it was it, it was like they, they were translating it basically yeah. into their spiritual path and and the christians are doing that now with the, the traditional celtic path and it, so it goes it goes sort of both and oh, but okay. um but celtic spirituality i think has basic principles of living in a both and living in this this Spirit that's embodied in all of being, nature, stone. There's nothing that's not sparked with some sort of cosmic energy or divine energy. Um, it's dark and light, sorrow and joy. All of that is all, it's all one. Okay. There isn't a dualism in the spirituality, It, it um, as I understand it. Uh, it's a way of saying, can you see the, the breath in every existing being on planet Earth and beyond in the cosmic realm? Do we see that somehow there is this breath that's particular to me and also universal because we all are breathing? Yeah, yeah. Both and. Yeah. Both and. Is this something that you practice and live in a in a solitary way? Or is, I mean, you said it wasn't a, an organized type of thing. There was no structure. But is this something that you are able to uh, celebrate with other practitioners? Or is this more of mm-hmm. a personal way of living? It's yes and yes. Yes and yes. Yes and yes. <laughs> of course. It's yeah, both yes. and. Yeah, that's it. You got it. Yes and yes. Yes and yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How does it, yeah. How does it um, manifest in your life? Do you find that you want to gather with other people who are practicing what you are practicing? Or in, in that it's... Um, uh, like a, a daily type of thing, or is it just more uh, when it comes to particular uh, holidays or things like that? Or because uh, I kind of want to liken it to like a, a coven or something like that. Is that how mm-hmm. you can look at it in a way that you have, you know, all you, the the individual practitioners, but that they kind of form a, a maybe a loosely based or loosely formed group in that sense or is there just no group whatsoever right right there is there is a, a group of us i okay. i um in the quad cities where i live there's a program called calm university which is community university that every february uh 
this organization invites professors and other folks who have an interest or a hobby that they would love to share with others? And would they be willing to do a mini course the fourth Sundays of February for two hours each February morning? You know, it's just sort of like a little mini course introduction. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when I was in the education department at Augustana College, uh, the person, one of the professors who was uh, involved in Com University asked me if I would be interested in teaching something in a, in the, you know, for this Com University. And well, I, at that time I was teaching um, assessment of student learning and I could not imagine anyone wanting to learn about the, how to assess student learning. And, <laughs> And she, uh, she, she says, but, but you, you're, you're, in, you're uh, interested in, and, and you talk a lot about Celtic spirituality. And I go, oh, I'd love to share that. You know? right. So, uh, so I did. That's, it was it's thanks to, uh, to Katie Hansen, I got involved in, in Com University to share this. And uh, so I did, and, and I, I went through the four weeks. And after it was over with, uh, the participants said, um, and I, I would give them uh, information. I would share. It was like a, a teaching and, and experience. So we always did a, a spiritual experience along with what I would talk about. Uh, because you don't get it with just a head or, you know, it's, right. again, the both and. You know, yes. you have to, you know. So um, they said, can we keep doing this? And I thought, well, I guess so. Why not? I'd Why love not? to keep sharing it. Why not? Yeah. So we did. We did. I, I okay. think, I, I, I don't know how many years the last, so we've been meeting, I've been, um, what I would say, facilitating a gathering. I call it the Celtic Sunday Gathering, once a month. And um, the invitation, I have a, a listserv of, of people who have been in the program, and then Folks who have been in the program who don't come, but somebody else comes and says, well, can I invite so-and-so? I said, you can invite anybody you want. You know, I mean, it's just, oh, I'm, you know, uh, come, I love to share this. I love to have this process. Yeah. So we've been doing that probably seven years now, seven or eight years, oh, once a month. Great. And um, it usually is a, a topic of the season, of one of the, the four seasons that we're in. And share a little bit. Initially, I started out with more teaching because I, I'm a, uh, I'm a teacher at heart. I love to, te- I'm, you know, I educate, love to do that. Um, and I thought I, I got to get out of the teacher mode and get more into the facilitator mode, you know. So I, yeah. I started to transition a bit. So, so we, I, and I don't know that everyone who comes and um, it's always an open. There's people who come once a year. There's others who come more consistently uh it's it's always a in and out and we meet at a place in uh that's a open to anybody place it's uh called the um butterworth center it was john deere's daughter or da- i think her granddaughter i'm not sure who it was but when she died she left her estate to this to the city of moline and now it's a, hey. a, a, a Civic center that anybody yeah. can use mm-hmm. for nonprofits. Nonprofits, yeah. wonderful place, which I wanted to go to because I had been invited to go to different churches, you know, with rooms and stuff. And I thought, Mm-mm, this is not a this is not a religion. Right. This is a spirituality. I don't want it to be connected with any church, even inadvertently do Understandable. that. 
you know. So, uh, yeah. so we've been doing, and it, it's so. Uh, so we we do, we are do we do more in into the experiential and and talk about the themes, and we always have um, the wisdom circle, the Celtic wisdom circle. So we'll start with the opening of the sacred space and honoring the directions and uh, whatever the theme might be. And then the wisdom circles are really where the spirituality takes life in form of of women. And curiously, we've had in the the whole seven years, three men come. So it is more a coven than anything else now. Not that they were, but I... I think there is something that that speaks to the freedom of exploration and questioning in women mm. that this format and this and I think this spirituality offers. You can question everything. Who knows? Mm. And if someone says, "Well, what about the da da da?" Do you think it does? Well, why not? <laughs> you know? Yeah, can Who explore knows? that. You explore it, right, you know. Right. Who, who knows? Who knows? That's interesting. That it's it seems to speak so powerfully to women in particular. Mm-hmm. That that's an interesting uh, aspect of it. You also mentioned the circle, and uh, I think that the circle uh, that this is a concept within uh, Celtic spirituality that people probably have heard about. Mm-hmm. Um, like the 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 circle, but also the Celtic wheel. I'm, mm-hmm. It's probably mm-hmm. been something that has you know, come up uh, somewhere at some time that people have heard about. But what is that exactly? I mean, you mentioned the the seasons and things like that. So I'm thinking it has something to do with nature. But if you can talk more about what the Celtic wheel is and how uh, is this used? How is mm-hmm. this concept used? And, and again, always within the the uh, understanding that this is my this is Pat Shea. Okay, how do you, you know? use? Yeah, it? how because I have read some beautiful. I mean, there's <laughs> there's tons of gorgeous writers. I mean, I, and um, the ones that are still on in this realm would be rolling their eyes probably as I have interpreted it. And I'm sure some of them in the other realms are probably also rolling their eyes, but they'll probably think, oh, well, you know, maybe so, who knows, you know. But um, the Celts it, in their own way were, uh, as many ancient and uh, indigenous traditions, this is this is universal in, in indigenous traditions, of being very attuned to the earth very, very attuned and, and one with the earth and also knowing how to uh, live in and read and interpret earth and sky, sun, moon, stars, mm-hmm. earth, and having a sense that this is all interconnected somehow. The indigenous knew that beautifully and they still do. It's, it's We all still do. We just don't know that we know it. But... Um, yeah. The 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 Celts divided their their year into to twenty eight days, which was thirteen. So it uh, thirteen months. So it it got messed around, and as everything does, and it all evolves. It finally came into the the fact of the 
the 12 months and we'll figure it out. That's what everybody else is using. So we got to figure it out that way. But they, they do, they're very attuned. The, the, the wheel is very attuned to both the, the, the sky and the earth. So we look at what's happening with planet earth and our mother earth that we're, we are living on and part of. And we also are very much aware of the moon cycles and also aware of the sun cycles. So in the Northern hemisphere, looking at this, they figured out, well, we need to celebrate the moving into a new cycle because they could read the, the transitional points, which are very important, the um, luminous kind of ways of seeing and the um, transition times that are what they would call thin times, you know, that you could get in, in connection with the spirit better at that time. And they had a sense of that. So eventually it got codified to some extent, you know, so and, and it, it seems to have worked for a, a good many of us, and it does. It works very lovely. So the beginning of the Celtic year really starts in Samhain. It's S-A-M-H-A-I-N. I have not learned the Celtic language, so I really murder the words. But I, I look them up and have a translator in practice as often as I can. So I do think Samhain, I'm pronouncing it correctly. But um, that starts Always, any kind of a season, any kind of a festival, always starts the eve of what we would call the festival day. Because the the Celtic spirituality and the Celts understood that life begins in darkness. That all darkness is an opportunity for the seed to get comfortable enough to break open the hulk and to start to grow. It's also in the darkness that we do have that very um, thin time between light. You know how you see things in the dark that you don't see in the night? You know, sometimes scary. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think sometimes it feels scary because there is that that, that, that other dimension, that, that spirit dimension that, that feels more comfortable to express themselves mm-hmm. in that that quieter light, not in that neon bright light. So um, it always starts, and that's where that the whole festival of Halloween started. That right. was translated by the Christians into Hallow's Eve and to All Saints' Day and All Souls' Day. Mm-hmm. Well, that was really. Um, taking the lead, maybe inadvertently, from the Celts and, and, and others of knowing that um, the night before going into Samhain, that dark season, mm-hmm. um, that it is a thin time. And we can become more alert to the spirit that is always there, just like breath. Mm-hmm. We become more alert to it more sensitive to it. We can feel it more. We can see it more. If you do mindful meditation, you have that sense. You only say, follow the breath. And, you know, and you mm-hmm. think, you do that all the time. But you're not, you don't realize that air at your nostril and going down your throat, right, you know. Right. So it starts there. So Samhain starts, and that's the, the uh, winter time. Mm. 
and that is November, December, and January. So you get together and you have the festival, big bonfires, knowing you're going into the light, wanting to keep the light, knowing it's going to get dark. Let's do a lot of fires, bonfires, keep it going, you know, and encouraging the sun to keep coming because we're going into these, this darker season and will you keep coming? Will you keep coming? <laughs> right. You know, like little kids, will yeah. you come back and I have more, you know, that kind of thing. And then we get to the, um, the uh, midwinter solstice, which is another um, sun celebration because we want to make sure, and this is the Yule and what the Christians put as Christmas, They took, but it was a celebration of, because they knew that around this time, the mother earth was shifting a bit and we were going back to light they they knew that and so they were going to celebrate that in this in the midst of darkness in the very middle of the three months of winter we have this celebration of light so the light comes back to the world then. yeah yeah then yeah sun doesn't leave right. don't worry about it right, you know right. you know and, and it was also a wonderful opportunity to bring everyone together in community again for celebrations because we were living all of november up to middle december so six weeks of tough times yeah. basically yeah. so let's come together and you know when you chop up a carrot it gets bigger because there's more carrot. You know, so let's all get together and chop up everything we have and share it and yeah. celebrate it, and we'll, we'll be richer for it. Yeah. And so that goes on until we get to the the last day of January, and we, we it's the the eve of Imbolc, I M B O L C, and that's the spring season, which is very curious in the Celtic wheel. Is that Samhain and Imbolc are in the half year of darkness and summer and autumn are in the light years in the light year of the of the circle so we're still in the dark part of the circle which is so fascinating to me when i i learned this because i thought we're starting spring the first day of February it's cold it snows what are we doing you know and um but it was that whole piece of and actually here in the Quad Cities I I live in Illinois and in Iowa in Illinois too but in Iowa there's lots of farms tons and tons of farms and um one of the women who lived was a grew up on a farm said Oh, yeah, that's when the, the lambs start getting born. And that's what inbound means, first milk. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's like the lambing is starting. That's yeah. spring, birth. And um, I said, oh, yeah. I, well, not having ever been on a farm, I wouldn't have a clue that, you know, but they were, they are, you know. And, I, and, and so I thought I just, it just deepened my, my real respect and awe in the, the wisdom of Celtic people and, and indigenous people and and the wisdom of, of staying on this path of Celtic spirituality, that there is such deep wisdom. I won't have enough lifetime on this dear Mother Earth to understand it all. There's it, just not enough lifetime to do it. But So it's spring. 
And then mid, so it's February, March, and April are the, the season of Imbach, the spring season. And again, Imbach had a lovely feast, but a quieter one because it was still in the middle, middle of the winter. And um, it was, the, the, the time was pretty busy too in the sense of getting ready for the fields and, and all those kinds. I don't know all of this. It's my dear farming friends who know way more about this than I do. But um, but anyway, uh, then we get we get to um, May first, and again the eve, and that's Beltana, and that is the first month in the opening season of light and warmth. And yes. well, you know, May May the wonderful month of bay you know uh, king arthur and camelot that song you know that's they got it pretty spot on about what happens you know i think that's the other thing that i love so much about the the celtic spirit and the celtic spirituality is that it can be riotous you know we don't have to be so sober and serious all the time you know it's like really you know you know they had parties and celebrations and then we have may and they go berserk you know and you know go do whatever whenever however and it's you know it's just like what a glorious free spirit and and i think spirit is like that we don't we can't contain it yeah you know yeah. and they have that sense of it so with it, then we live oh I, f- I forgot the spring equinox in the middle of of uh, spring you know march yeah which is also very interesting because the the Celtic seasons are like an X across a circle, yeah. and the solstice celebrations are like the cross a, across the circle. Yeah. So it's a real cool. It's a real cool circle, really, yeah. when you look at it that way, you know. And then we we get into the summer solstice in June, and then the first of August is autumn, and. Um, I never realized this until I started. It's, it's sort of fun to see the the symbolism. You know, a, apples become at least in the in here in the Midwest, they, they become ripe in, in in August. You have some great apple season. Yeah. You know, yeah. in the in, well, that's the first harvest. Right? Is that you know? Yeah. It's like I, I almost when I keep thinking this and I keep reflecting on it and pondering, I keep on thinking, my heavens, Patricia, duh. <laughs> are you really that slow you don't get this you know we're going into autumn we're going into harvesting you know and and then uh, then then we have the autumn equinox in september so almost almost every month eight out of the 12 have a way of reminding us of spirit reminding us that we are experiencing the turning of our own souls toward the source of greater spiritual light that we keep doing that. We keep getting these reminders mm. and the, the circle isn't a closed circle. It's always a spiral circle because we're always going out. We, we don't, we, you know, we repeat the names and the celebrations, maybe the experience isn't the same though. That because the spiral pulls us out to a new reality. If we follow the invitations to, to circle and to spiral into a greater spiritual life. That's beautiful. I like the way you explain that. It's really 
really, really nice. I imagine then that at these uh, these times of celebration that rituals would be performed. Yeah. Can you talk about the rituals? Yes. Yeah, I, I think as I understand the Celts, the little that I understand the Celts, they were very um, – grounded in their where they lived and in their earth mm. and so you know their their uh, polytheism was really polytheism because if i lived in uh kildare and you lived in we'll say kilkenny or someplace else or mm-hmm. even further away than that you might have different gods and goddesses than i do because you're you have a different earth you know you have different ancestors so um so ritual would probably be different for everyone of some sort. You know, I I don't think you could find an absolute ritual, but you would find um, symbols and symbolism of ritual that would talk to that season, you know, and would talk to that. So we're, we're in Samhain right now. And we're going toward the, the winter solstice and, and, um, so big fires, uh, bringing together a, a time to um, have light and seek light, those would be, a, you, would, you would develop a ritual around that. And when we do our uh, Sunday Celtic gatherings once a month, usually, well, we're always in one of these seasons, I, I try to do something that would ritualize that idea like we we just had our um november gathering and november and as we're going in as the first month of of Samhain is very much uh, focused on ancestors and um you know so we did a ritual that um that we did uh, an invitation of our ancestors and our kindreds because in the the celtic sense our ancestors are the trees and the stones and the animals, you know, all, all of that kind of sense. Um, and then we also did another ritual that Mara Freeman in her Kindling the Celtic Spirit has a lot of lovely rituals that you that I springboard from. But the ritual of the apple and how rich, you know, how rich that symbol is and cutting it into eight different sections to honor the different directions that would invite the ancestors of all those different directions. Uh, and we did, we did a, a, that kind of a, a thing. And there, there is a, a, a ritual of sort of like, I always say uh, we don't make a sacred space, we remember the sacred space. So there's always starting out with the encircling of reminding us that we live within this circle, mm. that we're in a sacred space. And it's always there. It's just we don't take time to acknowledge it, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. And that's not any more peculiar than things that happen on a daily basis that all of a sudden, well, I never saw that before. There could be something in our house that was built or, you know, and you think, when did, when did you put that there? And, you know, it's like, it's always been there. Yeah. You know? So you're remembering it actually yes yeah yes okay so if if the 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 light the symbol of light is very important and 
you you mentioned pon- bonfires a few times. So practical, like for people who who don't have access to fields and 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 big piles of wood to make a bonfire, like a, a substitute that you could use for that is a candle. Then I would say right. Right. Even so. those electric candles, you know, yeah. those ones that you can't, yeah, you just, yeah. Turn, we actually, because of the of Butterworth Center, we cannot, we can't light candles. So I just bring the electric ones. Okay, you know? right. Because it's the, the idea behind exactly. it and the intention. Right. right. Yeah. Ritual is created to help us remember something beyond us, bigger yeah. than what it shows. Right. Okay. Yeah, that makes total sense. So this sounds like, uh, from you know my own studies in, in esotericism, alchemy, astrology, things like that. There's an adage: "As above, so below." So would you would you resonate with that adage? Oh, a- a- yeah. absolutely, absolutely, right. You know the yeah. the that whole tree of life mm. that is. In almost every culture, that's mm-hmm. you, you find it somewhere. That's exactly what that is. Yeah. As above, so below. Right. And then in between. And the in between, and the chain. Yeah. That links it all together. Right. That connects and it all together. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And in my understanding, in in my spirituality, it isn't a linear chain. It's a circular chain because if right. you look at you know the root system comes up goes through the middle, goes up to the trees. The trees or whatever plant or whatever living creature gives off their gifts that go all the way around and down. Yeah, it, yeah. it isn't just an up and down. It isn't just an as above, so below. It's as above, so over on the north and the east and the south and the southwest. You know, yes. it's like in all directions. In all directions. Right, right. Yes, that's a very good point to make. Because I was making the up and down gesture, which was yeah, not, yeah. not and, and, exactly yeah. correct. <laughs> well, it's, it's not wrong. You know, it's a both and. You can look at it as up and down and circular. You know? Yeah, that's that's true. It's it's all of those things together. So exactly. Okay. Well, you mentioned before about how indigenous uh, traditions were adapted and kind of transformed when the Romans came into the, into those areas mm-hmm. and Christianity in that sense, uh, mm-hmm. started to morph these, uh, these traditions that had mm-hmm. already existed. Um, can you share your thoughts regarding the differences that you see in these, these two ways of looking at, mm-hmm. at, nature and at this the spiral this cycle this this yep. wheel that we that we find ourselves in that we I, in. I think that the the traditional understanding of Christianity is very dualistic it's right and wrong good and bad um, divine human it's it's very dualistic yeah and many of the indigenous spiritualities are holistic Mm. uh, pluralistic maybe you know um, and i think that probably is the most 
stark difference in indigenous and um, wisdom traditions, many of them, and what's in the uh, more Christian, or I would I would say Abrahamic list mm-hmm. religions. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I, I would put the all Abrahamic religions into that um, because that that is much more rigid. Uh, I I find it rigid and very stoic. Where I find it, it, in Celtic spirituality and the little that I studied of the other indigenous understandings is much more fluid. It mm. it um, much more inclusive, um, and I think that's that's why uh, Christianity caught on so easily to other indigenous places. Oh, that's how you see it. Okay. Until they received it. And then it became what you were saying was wrong. And they were saying, well, you know, with the Kel- it was like, it's not wrong. It's just, a, it's just different. That's how you see it. But we'll, we'll work together and make this happen. And that's why I think it's still uh, so important to so many of us globally to keep and, and because it's in our DNA, you know, it's not going to go away. It's in our clay, you know, mm-hmm. um, that we start to ask, well, is this really the only way you can do it? And the other thing that is so starkly different is the respect for earth. I find Christianity with its hierarchy and uh, elitism very dismissive, not, maybe not intentionally, mm-hmm. and, and yet ritualistically, and when you read and live it, very hierarchy, misogynistic, and um, closed mm-hmm. to any idea. And, and, and obviously, this is super generalizations and super. Uh, prejudice, pardon me, prejudices that I'm speaking of, because they all aren't like this. But this is what the tendency was. And this is how the Roman Empire was when they, you know, this is it. And if you don't like it, we just wipe you out. You know, where where the indigenous, it it was the circle. And there, there had to be leadership. I think of the circle as a circle dance, and I loved circle dance. When I was in the community, when we were in formation, we would learn circle dances so we could all get out and dance. And, and you know, in all different cultures, circle dances. Mm-hmm. There always had to be a leader who called the step, so you weren't running into each other right. in the circle dance. <laughs> right. But the leader was no different than those in the circle, except they had, they had to be thinking of the next, they had to be a step or two ahead of us. Right, right. And that leader could pass that on and say, okay, I'm enough. Your turn. <laughs> okay. I want to not have to be thinking ahead of you all. I want to just be in the moment, you know, and you passed it on. That I think is probably one of the biggest differences of the indigenous, because even the indigenous had leaders, had, uh, Priests and priestesses, I, I know the Celts did. You know, women and men were equal. There was um, there was as many women warriors, I don't know if as many, but they were more ferocious than the men warriors were. And um, the, there were women who were druids, and there were women who were 
uh, rulers of the communities. And uh, it was just like, yeah, you know, both and, that yes. both and kind of thing. Yeah. Where in the, the Roman Christian tradition, th- there was a hierarchy. And in that hierarchy, anything of the earth was the lowest part. You know, it didn't make any difference. Right. The, the passage in the Bible about God um, telling Adam that he had dominion over the earth. Yeah. And all of the creatures. <laughs> yeah. On the earth. I mean, really? Yeah. Very different way of inter- I know that not all Christians interpret that as, well, I am, I am in control of everything and I, I, I decide what happens, you know, as, as the human race decides as to what happens with, with the earth and everything that lives in the earth, on the earth. But there, there is, does seem to be a tendency that, yeah, that there is this dominion over that, that those words Mm -hmm. that were chosen for that, for the Bible, the English language, you know, those words, that that means something that doesn't mean, it does. at least in my opinion, it doesn't mean that, oh, we are all in harmony together and we Mm -mm. respect uh, each other. No, that means I'm the boss and whatever I say, that's what's going to happen. And we see this happening. I mean, not that I'm going to get on a soapbox here, but we see this happening with the the lack of respect that human beings seem to have for the earth. So there, there again is a, a, a difference, as you said. Right. That, and a destructive, yeah. a destructiveness in that. Yeah. There, there's such a um, an elitism yeah. in, in that that kind of thinking, and the the Celts in this, this Celtic spirituality has such a deep reverence for mm. the earth. And if we reverence the smallest pebble or the one little grain or the drop as, as part of being sacred, then we, we by nature could reverence everything and everyone. Mm. Or yeah. We could grow to that. Yeah. We could grow into that if we follow that well. The world would be a very different place if everybody oh, had that way. It? Well, do you know? Well, and if you look it. at what it, we would, we would, Stephanie. And if you look at, if you look at the indigenous folks, if you look at here in the United States where I live, what a different world it would have been mm. if we would have respected the earth and other people of this earth. Right, right. But the the. Uh, the arrogance and the elitism is destructive, and we yeah. see that happening. Mm. Yes. I, I, I basically think, dear Mother Earth said, I've had enough. I'm giving you something, hopefully to bring you to your knees, that you'll catch on. Mm. Equal COVID-19. Yeah, interesting. I hadn't thought of it like that. Hmm. That's something to ponder. Well, <laughs> again, pure <laughs> pure but I'm thinking. Yeah. I really I really think she said, you know, you all are so dense. You just are not getting it. Hmm. What if I make you all have a common experience? Hmm. This Maybe is getting, you wake up. Oh, yeah. Okay, so this is getting um very, very deep. And it's making me think of like mystical types of experiences. So 
let's talk about mysticism and how this relates to Celtic spirituality. What, what are your thoughts about the role that mysticism has? Mysticism is so misunderstood in, in so many ways. It really is the reality. It, we, all, we are all mystics if we, if we lived, if we wanted. If we kept on this journey long enough and going through our spiritual light and life and source and all that. And it's basically being aware of the other dimension than the physical. And being sensitive and, and, and you know, really, I, I'm sort of putting my fingers and thumbs together, you know, you know, that kind of sensitivity where you feel that little tiny sense that there is something, maybe someone, some other, however, whatever word we use to help us understand there is more to us than what meets the eye. The mystic understands that. And the mystical experience is um, sort of like what the Celts would, would call like in those thin times where you get to go through the veil or the veil is pulled apart for a minute. And you get a sense without words. You get a sense of this otherness, of this greater reality. And Ritual can help us get to that. You know, it can provide that opportunity for us. Um, and the mystics that have written about the experience struggle to put, put it into words very often. And then those words are misconstrued and mis... It's sort of like a, a translation, you know. Uh, yeah. And yeah. We, we trans... And, and even when we speak the same language, this, you know, we... We, uh, you and I are speaking English. Mm-hmm. We translate the word we're using differently from each other because of our experience and our education and, and our use, you know. So a great uh, linguist once told me uh, uh, words have attitudes. Yes. Yes, like it, dominion. Exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly. Right. And, and so when we talk about mystical experiences and how the mystics wrote about them, um, they used what they could at the time with the words they had. And in fact, most mystic experience, mystical experiences, and most mystics would say, you really can't talk about it. Right. You, you experience it yeah. and you know it. And um, there, there, um, there are moments where you know you had that experience with the other that doesn't happen on a regular basis. Mm. And the mystics didn't happen on another, you know. I, I remember my first mystical experience was in high school. And it's never happened again. That, that particular one. And it was so real that I, I remember even thinking, I was laughing because I, I think I was probably a sophomore or junior in high school, so probably 15, 16, something like that. And uh, it, was, it was such an awakening and seeing things in such a way, and I had such 
an insight into things. And then I went into the classroom, you know, because I was going to school mm-hmm. and I remembered everything that whole day. I remembered everything I was told. Of course, the next day I forgot it. But <laughs> at that moment, it was like, ah, I mean, everything was charged. It was like, it, again, it's a hard, it, it, it was, there was a, a charge to it that was different than other ones. Other times I had, I've had these off and on, mm-hmm. not that exact same one, but it's always a sense of a, <sighs> mm-hmm. it's, yeah. it's, it's more than a wow. It's not a wow. It's a, it's an awe. It's a, a charge. It's a sense of energy. It, it's, um, is there some kind it, of, uh, understanding that you receive at that moment? Because that's something that we would hear about or read a lot about in in our course of studies that mm-hmm. this ineffable uh, experience that that you know you couldn't put words to that that it came with some kind of deep sense of knowing something that you couldn't and it was just immediate you just knew something so there was like this knowledge that you gained is could. Could you say you know, that that happens for you? I I would call it not so much a knowledge as um, an insight and okay. um, and a uh, a connection with the deeper wisdom that resides within. It, so it's tapping into that wisdom. Yes, okay. it, it's and and that wisdom isn't. We all have it. That, that's that's the piece that. If I could just leave one thing in my whole life and nobody remembered anything, you don't have to remember about me, but just could remember that we all are gifted with this inner wisdom, this spark of inner wisdom is all in us. And it's, it's there. And nobody is because we're part of this great cosmic energy that created uh, or however this happened, which nobody really knows. We just keep trying to figure out, you know, because again, that, that, uh, that elitism and and that arrogance of thinking we can figure it out. The, the, uh, the physicists knew Einstein knew you can't figure this out. We can get it. We'll we'll help you, but you, you, uh, you know, give it up people, you know, that kind of thing, give it up. But it, 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 if, that's what the mystical experience is about. It's the awakening and the deepening of that that light and that wisdom that resides within. That's beautiful. So yeah, it and and that's very very hard to talk about. So it's we we do have kind of a conundrum that it's it is a very difficult thing to explain to someone else. But you mm-hmm. know it when yes. you feel it right mysticism is experiential yes not in the typical understanding of experiential that we would know psychologically Mm -hmm. or educationally it's experiential of spirit it's a spirit experience so that what you were talking about before about more than more than what I can't remember now exactly how you said it. There's something greater than what you just see around you. Yeah, more than what meets the eye. What? Yeah, more than what meets the eye. So it's that feeling, that yeah, experiencing yeah. that. Yes. Yeah. Interesting how this is um, tying into 
but we were talking about in a separate private conversation about anomalous experiences that there mm-hmm. are these these things that happen to people that that you can't explain there is no theory there is no methodology there is nothing that you can use to explain it and that's that i think that is frustrating for people because they want to talk about it but they can't or they don't know how exactly so we have to try to come up with ways to talk about it i guess right and and just like you asking me that question it's like yeah the the piece that that i think is is helpful in the in the sharing of mystical experiences is that as you are doing so beautifully and respectfully and deeply listening hmm. you listen you're listening and when i can do that for another who's talking about that their experience and and receive it just receive it hmm. i want yeah. If we would have more platforms in the sense of platforms and many opportunities to come together to, to share and talk about this happened and I don't know what and I don't know what to make of it or I don't really want to say what happened, but I just want to tell you I had this really extraordinary experience. And if I could say, Wow, that's wonderful. I'm so happy for you. Mm-hmm. You know, if we, if we more could, moments like that. Pardon me. More moments like that. To have moments like that more, right. more often. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And not to yeah. have it seem like you're some kind of weirdo because you've had an extraordinary experience. Right, like right. the wingnut, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I often, I often refer to my. I know some of my family say that. You know, she's just a real wingnut. You know, like okay, you know, I sort of like wingnuts. <laughs> Embrace them. Yeah, but why not? You know, they're really important. You know, they hold that screw in somehow. I'm not really sure how they do it, but you know, the the one that's and isn't that interesting? You know, the 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 linear one, the wing nut holds that through yeah. that goes around and round. Right, you know? right, holds it in place. Interesting how that uh, that thing that is holding things in place is looked at as it being abnormal. Yeah, and it's actually yeah. the most normal thing there is. Yeah, yeah. things that hold it together. <laughs> you mentioned COVID nineteen, and I'd like to come back to that right now. Uh, this year, it's been one of extreme turmoil, great loss for many, many people all over the world. And the suffering that many people have experienced or are experiencing still, experiencing now, due to this uh, virus, it's not over. And, you know, there are all these issues that, that stem from it, that relate to it, you know, the, the psychological effects of isolation, all of this, you know, all mm-hmm. these, these other things that you wouldn't maybe immediately think of when you think of, you know, a virus, Mm -hmm. you know, making people so ill. Um, In addition to that, we're in this month of the, you know, holiday period. It's very uh, important for a lot of people, very important holiday. Uh, It's difficult for a lot of people because they are constantly reminded in this month that, 
they've lost people. And mm -hmm. due to this virus, they, they could have lost somebody today. Mm -hmm. And, and also due to other things as well, due to other illnesses, it's not just limited to, uh, to COVID of course. Um, but the, it, it is a, a common thing that, you know, most, a lot of people know that these types of, uh, holidays often make people feel instead of feeling, you know, happy and joyful, they feel very alone and isolated and, you know, due to the pandemic, you know, this isolation is, is even greater because we've mm -hmm. had to be practicing social distancing and, and even, um, quarantining in some cases. So you, you touched on this earlier, but I, I was hoping if you could talk a little bit more about how, or what, I guess perhaps would be a better question. What can, uh, Celtic spirituality, uh, teach us and, and help us, uh, uh, understand, or how can it help us to understand, uh, living in, in this type of world as we live, as we find ourselves now in these troubled times? Mm -hmm. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I always say that, uh, Celtic spirituality, my, my Celtic spirituality, um, I don't know that it teaches us anything as it, as much as it might invite us to explore and ponder. Okay. And one of the things, um, because the, the teaching happens through the exploration and the pondering. Okay. Um, I, that I, I think, <laughs> but um, I do think that there are some elements of Celtic spirituality that are helping me through this pandemic. And the first one is the, the, to me, probably one of the most essential ones is the both and reality that I can be grieving. I can be wailing. I can be angry. I can be despondent and despairing. And I can be rejoicing. I can be happy. I can be at peace. One doesn't negate the other. And if we try to get to the peace and happiness and let's get over this without, and it's that going into the darkness. And I find this so interesting right now. You know, we're getting information that the pandemic is going to get worse and worse, especially, you know, through December and January. Mm -hmm. And those are the dark months of, of, the, of yeah. the Celtic year. Those are also the time that if we, and in the Celtic time, just generally because they didn't have a whole lot of light, they had spent more time indoors and they did spend more time indoors, but they rested and they relaxed and they reflected. And it, it's a time to be rejuvenated. So in my loss and my deep grief, that's the pain of going into the, the depth of our reality right now with, for me, believing and knowing that if I do this and honor it and don't try to get over it or get through it, 
but just walk with it. I'll walk into a light. I'll get a new insight. So when I'm grieving, and, and I am, Thanksgiving was the, the second anniversary of my sister Mary's death, which I'm, I miss her fiercely and lots of people. I mean, she was, she is bigger than life now, but she, yeah. <laughs> she was bigger than life when she was in the physical form. But yeah. um, that grieving and that having that sense of loss also helps me remember what do I need to learn from this? What, what's the wisdom of this loss and this grief? And how do I hold it? And how am I tender with it and tender with myself so that it never have having, having had children, knowing my sister Mary and other women who have had children, that time of gestation in the womb and my dear sister-in-law who has two and my nieces who have beautiful children, uh, they should be talking now because that time in the womb isn't always happy time. I mean, you have met crabby pregnant women. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I met crabby pregnant women and for, with good reason. Everything is out of kilter. You know, physiologically is out of kilter, emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually is out of kilter. What do I make of this? What is this about? How do I do this? And the pain that comes in the birthing. There is not one woman that I've ever known or spoken with in the birthing process that said, oh, piece of cake, didn't even feel it, unless they were totally put out. (laughs) You know, but their poor body was feeling it. They, they, and body has memories. Cells have memories, you know? So, um, I think this, and I do, I really, I really, really do believe that Mother Earth is just tired of our arrogance as human beings. Just, just sort of like really, really humans, really, you know, uh, it's like the mother who says, okay, enough go to your rooms or go sit in the corner, figure it out, and then come back out. That's what this is an opportunity for us to do, actually, if we use it well, to go into our corners, to go into that isolation and try to figure it out, not for the world, but to figure it out for me. What am I doing? You see, I think in, in, in genuine spirituality, I'm not here to change the world. I am here to grow into the fullness of who I'm supposed to be. That's my purpose. That's, that's, that's the, and that's the hardest purpose to live in, to come into the fullness of who I am. That's what each of us is called to do. And if we were doing that, Mother Earth is saying, please, please get a grip. Go into your corner. Who are you? Can you figure it out? Mm-hmm. And, and we'll come out of that corner as every little kid, whoever, unfortunately, I have seen in corners or maybe even put in a corner figuratively or actually. They don't, we don't get it all, but we get a new, ah, well, maybe if I do this, 
I'll always raise my hand before I start talking in, in a, the, you know, it's the one who's blurting out all the time and talking over everyone, you know, and you say, please go practice raising your hand, you know, and then say something. Well, the blurting out won't stop, but I'll blurt out and raise my hand, at the, <laughs> you know, and I've seen that happen actually too, too often, uh, but it's a step. You know, yeah. I got it. I'm supposed to raise my hand, but I'm still going to talk, you know. <laughs> but um, it, it's, I, I really do think that it's, we just, I, I think, and I shouldn't say we, I should say I. I need to use this opportunity as hard as it is, as grief-filled as it is, as challenging as it is, to at least ask the question. What am I supposed to learn? Just ask that question. I'm not going to get the answer. I won't get the full answer. If we all start asking that question, what do I need to, what do I need to learn? What can I do ever so slightly different that might help living on dear planet, mother earth and might help the folks that I interact with, maybe I can help them live more easily and gently on Mother Earth to and together. So again, it's that lovely both and, you know, yeah. it's that ever so slight. Oh, did you see that light on over there? And I thought, I never notice that light, how it reflects off. You show that to me because that's what you learn, to look more at at stuff that's there that you never paid attention to Mm -hmm. before. And then you get excited about it, and you want to share it with everyone. Right. Right. And then there's people who don't want to hear it, and that's okay. It's okay. We, We are not put, I'm not here to save the world, although I would love to. And I'm not the empress of the universe although there's very often times i wish i was i mean really and those are the that's the the, the wisdom of, of dear mother earth and and of the other reality and the spirit reality is saying you who pat you are not the empress of the universe you are not here to save the world you are here to be the best of who you can be at the time and to stay on the path and if that path, like mine did, when there were divergent places to go, I stayed on the path, though. I stayed on the path. I, the path of trying to look for, who am I? Why am I here? And I've been on the planet for a good long time. You know, 73 years is a beginning of a time of being long on the planet. Not long enough, mind you, you know, but... Um, and I look at how much I don't know. I'm thinking, my lands, the earth cannot hold what I don't know. You know, so we're always on, we're always yeah. on the path, you know. And if we could help each other and be gentle with each other and gentle with ourselves, the, the walking the path will be easier. It'll always be difficult. We'll always have grief. We'll always have loss. That's the cycle of earth. 
There is nothing on this earth that is living forever. Even those wonderful great trees that are there for almost centuries, some of them get sick and die. We just don't live long enough to see that cycle. There's always that cycle of death, going into the dark, new life, new birth. That doesn't stop. Even with COVID, it doesn't stop. I have a a, a lovely dear friend whose father died, and just a few days later, her grandson was born. This was just in October, during COVID. And it was, when she was sharing that, it, it, that was one of those mystical moments that gave me the, the chills mm. of, that you know, where it sort of takes your breath away. Yeah, yeah. That close of seeing the circle of life. Mm. Thank you for sharing your experiences well, you know, Steph, you have to make me be quiet because I could go on and on and on. Because <laughs> I, I just say, oh, this is just such a gift. Yeah. You want to share it with everybody. Yeah. And, and it really, the, the Celtic spirituality, and I think any, any spirituality that resonates within your soul, you know, you get that, oh, I've come home to it. Yeah. This is how I live. Yeah. That's, that's what happened for me. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's why I'm so grateful to you for the opportunity to share this enthusiasm well it's uh it's palpable it's uh it's you radiate it so i'm so thankful that you agreed to share your experiences and your wisdom uh with me today uh i i really appreciate it and i'm so happy that that uh it's kind of been a joke in our family that, you know, Pat should write a book. Pat should, you know, Pat should do all <laughs> So I'm like, at least I can get her on an interview. <laughs> she might not write that book, but I can get her on an interview. Oh, no. <laughs> so it, I really it, appreciate it. has it. been a soulfully and genuinely privilege to to be with you, Stephanie, and and to give me the opportunity to share the love and the the joy of this way of living and grief in the way of living, yeah. you know, yeah. it's always, it's all there. Both One doesn't take away. Yes. Yeah, so both and. Yeah. Well, I thank am, you. Thank you. Thank I you. am happy. I'm so happy to, uh, to offer you that uh, opportunity to do that. Cause it was, uh, I think it's, this is a very different type of interview than I normally do. Well, normally right. I've not been doing it that long, but you know, my my general right. uh, approach is to interview more of a uh, scholarly type of uh, yes. you know approach to uh, to talking about subjects from uh, um, the the ethic, the outsider uh, looking into how other people experience things. And I thought it might be different uh, and and interesting to try a different way of looking at things. So, and looking at it from the inside out. And Mm -hmm. I just find that, I find both both fascinating, but I find your way of talking about, uh, about things so refreshing. It's so, it gives hope 
Because even mm-hmm. if you do have, you know, a very horrible situation that you're in the middle of, the way you talk about it is, in a, in a way, I feel like, well, there is that light. Mm-hmm. There is that uh, cycle that, you know, mm-hmm. you'll get through it. It will, you know, it, it's it's something that it is almost like a trust that you can put into it, I guess. Yeah, so, that's a lovely way of saying that. And, and the other thing that I think is very for me, important to remember, is that if I don't get through it on this, because we 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 ground everything just in the physical reality, yeah. it's okay, you know. Um, I will get the understanding, and I'll get that release and that joy somewhere, somehow. It doesn't have to be this life cycle. Or this lifetime, mm-hmm. you know, I'm mm-hmm. going to be exploded into the great cosmic energies. And, you know, if I don't get it then, <laughs> you know, but I figured they'll, you know, the great cosmic energies will help me. <laughs> of course, of course they will. So I hope that the uh, listeners will be able to take something positive away from, from this uh, talk that we've had today, as I've been able to take a lot of good lessons away from, from what you've shared. Um, you have provided a wonderful list of resources. You've mentioned mm-hmm. a few names uh, throughout our talk today, but I will make sure that I share that in the podcast notes so that if other people are interested to, to know more about, you know, the things that that you're talking about and that, you know, other people's ideas about, uh, about Celtic spirituality, then they will be able to, you know, find that out what you have, uh, suggested that, uh, people can look into. Um, so, Thank you for that. And I guess right now I just want to wish you a very peaceful solstice. And thank you for coming to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Stephanie. I hope you've enjoyed this month's different approach. And I thank my Aunt Pat again for sharing her perspectives in this special episode. As we near the end of 2020, it might be of interest to note that on this year's winter solstice that happens on the 21st, the largest planets of our solar system, Jupiter and Saturn, will align in a great conjunction in Aquarius for the first time in nearly 400 years. Some astrologers claim that this is a forerunner or a dawning of the age of Aquarius, as the famous song goes. As Aquarius is an air sign that represents ideas and the intellect, some propose that this great conjunction will spark a new wave of progress within technology and medicine, and will also bring a benevolent, philanthropic spirit along with it. I think this would be a great change, especially after the year we've all had. So, happy solstice, everyone, and remember to be gentle with each other and with yourself. Thanks for listening.